You might like to turn with me to Luke, Gospel of Luke and uh, chapter 9. Chapter 9, Luke chapter 9. We're living in amazing days, challenging days. We're living in challenging days, there's no doubt about that, with issues of credit, economy, world economy, nations being shaken by um, oppression and fighting and infighting and wars and rumours of wars. So these are challenging days, but at the same time, they're exciting days. In the midst of challenge, there's an immense excitement in the church of God around the world and even in our own nation. Don't be fooled by what we hear on the news, what we see on TV. You know, recently with some uh, recently atheist group opposed and have uh, been upheld, uh, opposed um, prayers in council chamber. And, as a, and so you see the front of newspapers, the church are, are under assault and uh, its days are numbered. But there's amazing things happening in the church in our country. There's a, there is a vibrancy and, and a, a, a faith rising up where you've really got to believe what you believe. We will really have to believe what we believe. I believe this and I've said this in our church. As the days grow darker, the church needs to get, will get brighter. We'll really believe what we believe. We'll get brighter. We'll stand upon what we really, truly believe. We won't be able to say, well, I'm not sure about that. We really will stand up. And I think it's a, a, a challenge, but excitement. I was speaking to Kev. We had uh, Long Eaton School. Obviously, as a church, we meet here in the evenings and mornings at Long Eaton School, our, our, our wider gathering at Long Eaton School. And I was talking to our speaker, um, Kev Pete, Kevin, Pastor Kevin Pete was speaking at Long Eaton School. And then after dinner, we were talking, and he was saying to me, it's amazing. Even in the challenging climate of our nation, our network of churches that we're part of, Oasis Christian Centre, we're an Elam Pentecostal church. And we're part of 500 different churches in the UK. Elam Pentecostal churches is a network of churches in the UK. Lots of other Pentecostal and charismatic groups. We're just one of those groups. But in our network of churches, even in challenging days, Kevin was saying to me that there's about £30 million worth of building and building projects going on right now in the UK, where churches are expanding and growing and building new buildings and expanding their buildings. It's incredible. Just, we're not a very large network of churches, really. Maybe 70,000, 80,000 people in those net, that net, network of churches. Because uh, I was talking to him about our desire as a church to, to build a new building. And he looked at me and said, well, there's 30 million pounds already in our network of churches. And our desire to, to for, you know, we, you noticed on the screen it came up a month of extraordinary generosity. This month we've designated as the opening of a, a way of giving. As a church, we're looking, to, you know, what you see around you has had its day and it's now for something new and fresh to arise we believe that as a church and uh, you know we had the plans at Long Eaton School and we were showing them to everybody and they were on show and the desire to build a new centre in Long Eaton on a new piece of land the possibility of a developer saying that they you know they sell us the land freehold build a new building so there's exciting days and challenging days but as we believe what we believe we'll be called to stand on what we believe like we've never known before and, uh, you know, the prophetic word came in this morning at Long Eaton School. Uh, it was about a fresh wave coming. Linda shared about this from the Lord. A, a, a fresh wave was coming and to get ready to, to go with that wave individually but corporately as a church. I believe that. I believe that for the nation. There's, there are fresh things coming and it's to, be, to really be ready. Now, I know you probably hear that and hear that many a time. And uh, in my own life, 
I'm not going to share that now, but God's, I feel God's saying some things to me, and there's some things that I have to do to get ready. I'm not in a position to share it quite at this moment. Once I've gone through that, I'll share that. But I, I believe when Linda shared what she shared, there were some things that I felt in my own heart anyway. But not only for us as a church, but for the nation, and the churches in our nation. So it's, I believe we really will need to believe what you believe. You won't be able to say, mm, I'm, I, don't, not sure, I don't believe, I'm not into, I don't. We, there, there's coming a day now where we become a, a fresh assurance, a fresh faith will rise up within our hearts and in our minds. Okay, turn with me to Luke chapter 9, just for a moment or two. I want to speak about carrying his presence, carrying the presence of God. Just for a moment or two, then we're going to come and pray together. So uh, Luke chapter 9 and uh, verse, he says, 28 start at verse 28. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter and John and James with him, and they went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became bright as a, as a flash of lightning. Verse 30. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. They were just amazed. They were in awe. They were awestruck. There was this amazing sense of the presence of God there at that time. Um, Verse 34. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from out of the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. Then verse 37. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. They were amazed at the greatness of God. That now, that's, that account, that story of being up the mountain, encountering the amazing presence of Jesus, God speaking out of that presence, um, then coming down the mountain and seeing um, a young uh, child released from a demonic spirit is mentioned in a number of the Gospels. So it's not the only account, but I picked the Luke account um, particularly this evening just for us to, to have a look at. A couple of things I want to look at, and then we're going to come and pray together. Carriers of his presence. We're called to be carriers of the presence of God. And um, two things then. The first thing is the mountain, up the mountain, the mountaintop experience. 
And then the second thing I want to look at is the need to come down from the mountain, perhaps into the valley below. And there is a need uh, in our Christian experience to know the mountain top, but also to be down from the mountain amongst where the people are, perhaps at ground level or uh, in the valley below. And those are those two areas that I want to look at and just take a moment or two. We see on the mountain top, Jesus took his friends with him, a number of his disciples, and they went up to a high mountain and it was a, a place away from it all where they could just be together, they could seek God together, they could be away from the cares of life, the pace of life, the crowds, the people. I mean, it's great, isn't it? It's just great to just get away from it all. How often do you and I like to just Get away from it. Get away from everything. You know, your mobile phone or whatever it is you've got is so invasive. I find that my phone with texts, emails, you name it, alerts. I switch off all the alerts. Now I tend to switch off um, lots of uh, different alerts that you can get because there's so many that come through. But just to get away from it all. And so Jesus took his friends, his disciples, to get away from the crowds, to be with him and he with them, but most of all to be with God. And all of us in life, we need, we need human, the human nature, the human heart, the human spirit needs to get out of the hustle and bustle, out of the buzz. This is why today people are looking for what they call work-life balance getting it right, getting the speed, and putting it in perspective. But the human heart needs God. We are made with a God-shaped vacuum. A man called Blaise Pascal said that there is within the heart of every human being something yet to be filled. There's something enough. We use lots of stuff to fill that void, to find fulfillment. But ultimately, no matter how much money you've got, no matter how much you do, no matter where you go or what we do, there is something in the heart that we need more. And that more is the knowledge of God, the knowledge of of God. And it was at the mountain top that the disciples had an amazing experience. It was with Jesus. And uh, they saw, it says, the glory of God. The glory of God. It, the, it says it was like blazing thunder, thunder and lightning. It was like lightning. It was that bright. It, it, it just made them recoil. They couldn't even look at the presence of Jesus. If you think these lights are bright, and they are, because when I look at them and I look at you, I can't see you. If you think we think they're bright, it was just absolutely could not even gaze upon his presence. The presence of God is awesome. He is perfect. He's true. He's pure. And my impure eyes cannot gaze on total purity, cannot see God and live. The Bible talks about this. And so they saw a glimpse of something of God, and they were amazed. It says they were frightened. A bit later on, it says that when the cloud enveloped them, they became fearful. It wasn't just, hey, this is a nice day, ha ha ha, God's presence, God's in the house, and they pat each other on the back, and hey, high five, and this is great. They were fearful of their lives because they came into the presence of the living God. It was awesome. I would say it was an awesome moment, an amazing day, incredible, wonderful, amazing and it was at that mountain top that they had this. And so amazed were they, ecstatic. They didn't know what to do with themselves. They said, let us build three tents or three booths or whatever, whatever, you, whatever the translation says for them. These were like really three shrines. They wanted to enshrine one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. They wanted to enshrine the moment. So amazed, so overwhelmed, they, they were just so full of what they'd seen and where they'd been and the, the place and the experience of meeting with God was so incredible. They said, let us build something. Let's just, let's enshrine this moment. Let's do something about this incredible moment. 
There's something powerful about meeting with God. There's something powerful about knowing the presence of God in our lives. There's something amazing that, well, you know, as we worship, you, you can sing a song and then you can feel that God is here. And it's not all on feelings, it's based on faith, obviously. But there's something amazing. Like even to our time tonight in worship, there's something about singing and then there's something about singing and God's here. And it's that that we experience a bit of tonight. I say a bit of, I don't say that in a derogatory way, but we want to know more of the presence of the living God, don't we? And there's something amazing about that. And here they were, they'd experienced God in the most profound, incredible way. I think my baptism of the Holy Spirit was my most incredible turning point in my life when I was converted in a brethren assembly, which was anti-charismatic. And in my bedroom, as I was seeking God and seeking a, a, a fuller sense of knowing God, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in the gift of tongues. And nobody taught me what to do. It was amazing. I felt that God filled me, filled the room, and I'd been a Christian already by three years by that time. It was awesome. And I came face to face with the presence of the living God. It flooded me and flooded my being. Uh, Something amazing about knowing the knowledge, knowing God and God knowing me, God knowing you. Now, it is in the realm of human nature that in church life, In the Christian life, in our experience and knowledge of God, that in those moments where we meet God, feel God, experience God, whether it's in my room or my home, or at a certain conference, or on a mountaintop myself, or in a church meeting, whatever church you're in, there's something about human nature that's a bit like the disciples when they said, wow, this is amazing, can we not build three shelters? Can we not enshrine the moment? You know it, you'll see it when somebody will say, you can't move those hymn books from over there. We've had them all of our lives. This church is built upon those hymn books. It's been enshrined. They've built a booth. They've built a tent to that hymn book. Somebody will say, you can't move that that, that piano. That's that's part of the worship. We've had breakthroughs on that piano in this place. You can't, that's been a booth, has been made, enshrined there. Somebody say, you can't move like that with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't move like that here. He does this there. There's moments that we can enshrine. Now, I've given a few accounts. I'm not trying to pick on anything. But those few accounts are just part of human nature where we can be in danger of enshrining that moment. I'm going to talk about the difference between enshrining it and, and uh, enjoying the moment. But there's something about enjoying and another thing about enshrining. And so the mountaintop experience that they had, the experience of God, human nature and it, our response to moves of God, they, they were basically saying this. Look, in a nutshell, the disciples were saying, let's camp here. Now you might say, there's nothing wrong with that. I think when God is present, it's good to stay in his presence. I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. But they weren't saying, let's stay here for a little while in his presence. They were saying, let's leave this forever. Let's make a shrine for perpetuity. This is a moment enshrined to God. Let's camp here. But the Christian life, as we shall see, is not about being encamped on a mountain top. It's to enjoy the mountain top, but then come down from the mountain top to the people in the valley below. A lady called Amy Grant, some years ago, sang a song called Mountain Top, which is all about enjoying the moment of the mountaintop, enjoying the presence of God, and then going amongst people. And now I'm amazed that the whole of this evening has all been about 
Jesus on the streets, Jesus open walls, long eaten area about not only what's in here, not what's contained in here, but it being out there. And that's really everything that I really want to say in these next few moments. So the disciples were basically saying, let's stay here forever, which is a good sentiment. And I can understand wanting to stay in his presence, but they were saying, this is going to be in a moment enshrined. Now, you might think to yourself, that's not me. I would never do that. But it is you and it is me because it's human nature. And if you're like me, we're human. If you are human and you're like me and I'm a human, human nature is that we like things settled in a certain way. So in a good old Pentecostal and charismatic church like ourselves, we can get used to certain moves of God. So some people will get used to a move of God, and it was at Azusa Street. Azusa Street was the first Pentecostal outpouring. Just you think I've made something up off Sesame Street or something like that. But Azusa Street is a place in, is it Los Angeles or wherever it is in in, in America? It's the first Pentecostal outpouring. But some people live back in Azusa Street. Nothing to do with Sesame Street, but it sounds a bit like it, doesn't it? Some people live enshrined because they built a booth there. Some people live enshrined in certain places. In cert- Some people live enshrined on the God channel. I hope I haven't upset you. I hope you still like me. Because <laughs> I'm not getting at you. Because there's nothing wrong with the God channel, by the way. Because I've watched it myself. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's good. But you can make it a booth. You can make it a booth. That's what they did. A tent. Wherever we camp, it's Okay. To stay for a moment, but we're to move on. The church is a movement. We're a movement of people, not a monument. Now, I want to say this. Human nature is such that it's good to mark. They wanted to mark an event. There's a couple of M's that I'm going to use. Marking an event, and if we don't watch it, can become a memorial. And if we carry on, it can become a monument. And if we stay with the monument, it ultimately becomes a museum. If you can mark, marking an event is not wrong. So when the disciples said, this is good, I love this. This is a great church, I love it here. Or that's a great move, I remember that there. Or you might say, I remember when we had the tent crusade in Long Eat, and that was amazing there. That's good. Marking the event is great. There's nothing wrong with that. To mark the event, we put down markers in life and say, God was great. That was an amazing move. This was good. So marking the event is not wrong. But if you, that's, what, that's where it stays. You mark the event, then you move on. That's healthy. You mark the event and then you move on. You might always come back to the memory of that. But the danger is, what we do is we mark an event and then we make the next move that we come, if we don't just move on, is it becomes a memorial. I remember the days when... And there's nothing wrong with reminiscing. That's good. But if we keep camped, the danger is if you camp there and the memorial becomes something that we just talk about all the time. That, the hymn book, the organ, the pews that are there. You know, things have to, we move on in God at times. They become a camp if we don't watch it. And what is a good memory becomes something a bit more stuck than a good memory. It can almost become a nightmare if we don't watch it. But we move from marking an event to memorial. And then the next process, if we don't watch it, we move from marking an event to memorial to a monument. And this is what they wanted to do. They made one big jump in one go. They, went, they didn't just mark the event. They didn't want just to remember it. They moved to making a monument straight away. That's how dangerous it was for them. They were going to put a camp there. And when you make a monument, you camp here. Let me tell you, in some Pentecostal charismatic churches, some of us have made monuments of certain moves of God. And you think, how can that be? You can move in the Holy Spirit. Well, you can watch. Because it's all done a certain way. And you can predict what could happen next. It's not the Holy Spirit if you can predict what can happen next. 
necessarily. You may disagree with me. You may, no, that's your prerogative. And I'm really not bothered. It's up to you. If you want to disagree, you, it's your prerogative. You can disagree. But the danger, the danger, my danger, our danger as human beings is we mark an event that's good. We remember it. That's great. But if we keep remembering it and remember it, it becomes a memorial. And if we don't watch it, we then camp there and stay there in our hearts and minds. And then it's become, it's crept up on you. It's a monument. And you know what happens with monuments? We camp at them. And uh, if you stay there long enough, well, dead dinosaurs make great fossils. If you keep still long enough, you could fossilize. The church is called to move on. We're called to move on in God. We're called to move on in God. If we stay still long enough, we could fossilize. And that is the danger. Now, the disciples, the mountaintop is a good place. The experience is good. The knowledge of God, the experience of the Holy Spirit, to have an encounter with God, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to be released in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is great. But we're to move on. We're to move on in God. And... um, Marking the event is good, but we need to move on if we're to be healthy. Now you see something. It said that the next day in, uh, they moved. It says they had an amazing experience, but they wanted to make a monument there. But Jesus was going to move on. It says the next day they came down from the mountain. and they were, Whether it was a valley, I'm not sure. But for my purposes, I'm calling it a valley. But it may have been just the, the lower ground. But they came down from the mountain the next day because Jesus moves on. The Holy Spirit, mountaintops are there I like uh, to, so that we can move on in God. We may experience and know the knowledge of God and be uh, released in power so that we can move on. To do what? Well, it says that the next day they came down from the mountain and they encountered the people. I find it amazing that when they came down, they came down to the lowest point and somebody needed to be released from a demonic spirit. It's amazing. This isn't just a setup. It's not a parody on words, but I find it spectacular. There they are on the mountaintop in the glory, and then they come down the next day to the lowest point, as it were, to see someone released. He says, Jesus, could you help me? My son is thrown into the flames. Your disciples can't help him. It seems that he foams at the mouth. It was a spirit was throwing him into the flames. And Jesus says, of course I can help you, and sets the young boy free. The disciples wanted to make booths to the glory of God, yet they needed to go down the mountain that day to cast out a demon. And, you know, I liken our gathering on a Sunday, when you gather in the church that you're from, or our church here, and we gather together, it's not that we want to get high on experiences, but it's our mountaintop. It's where we meet with Jesus. You know, when we gather together, you know when some people say, oh, too tired, I'm not going to meet with them, I'm going to stay away. I would say, don't do that. Gather together with other believers, wherever you are, whoever you can gather with, and get with them. Because this is our mountaintop. I'm not hyping it up to say that we need to be high up there. But this is our opportunity to meet with each other and meet with God together. And it's our opportunity for the Holy Spirit to impact our heart and life. He can do that at home. You can do that at home on your own, of course. But there's something powerful about being together. The disciples went together with Jesus. But, you know, this isn't the be-all and end-all of being in here. It's amazing that tonight and Mike led us to pray outside. That's just what Jesus did. They came down from that mountain. They came out from their building. They came out from the church. This isn't our booth to stay forever. It's great to stay here and to be in the presence of God. But they came down from the mountain the next day to be amongst the people, to set a young boy free from that which ailed him at the time, from the pain that was in his heart. You know, what is the church all about? It's about taking the glory from where it is to where it isn't. 
I heard a speaker recently say that. I thought, wow, that's a great statement. What is the church all about? The church is about, you and I, the church, are about taking the glory of God from where it is to where it isn't. That's awesome. That is awesome. To take the love, forgiveness, goodness, mercy, hope. Lots of people worried today. Lots of Christians worried as well. To take all of that, that's the glory, the goodness of God, to where it isn't. Work, college, behind your closed doors at home perhaps, I don't know. I don't know where. And that's exactly what Jesus did. There they were, the presence together. The disciples said, let's stay here, this is wonderful. He said, no, we're going to go now to where it's not. And they went, and their young boy was set free from a demonic spirit. And that's what church is all about. Three things as we close then that we see in the valley below. So they went to the valley below and a demonized boy was set free. Three things um, that we need in our lives, and with this we'll be closing. We need the touch of God. We need to then talk to God. And then we need to take it to others. The three things there. The touch of God. On the mountaintop, there was the touch of God upon their lives. You know, Jesus said, uh, the Holy Spirit said, and Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. He said to the early believers, the touch of God on your life and my life says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. He didn't say you receive power to have the glory in the four walls of your church, which is good. You will receive that, and, we can have, and we've got a great conference coming up. But these conferences and our worship time, so that we can be what? Witnesses to the world, to take the presence of God where it is to where it isn't. That's what Jesus, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The touch of God. So we need the touch of God. You need the touch of God. I need the touch of God in my life. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the church. It says there, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. The disciples were filled with a sense of wonder, awe, and amazement. God spoke to them. To know that God speak to your heart, the hand of God upon your life, the Holy Spirit loosed in your being, to be released in the gift of the Spirit. Spirit? <laughs> the gift of the Spirit. That's what we're called. That's what we're called to do. So we need the touch of God on our lives. You know, we're a Pentecostal church. That isn't, we're not Pentecostal because we sing happy songs. Listen, you can go to lots of happy churches. I hope we're a happy church too. And you, can go to, you can go to churches that sing um, great groovy music. And they can have modern, it, can be, it doesn't have to be old or modern building. But that doesn't make it Pentecostal. It doesn't make it charismatic. It's the touch of God. It's the Holy Spirit released in our lives. I tell you what, we need to know what we know. And it's the power and the touch of the Holy Spirit and knowing Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life and in my life. The second thing is we need to talk to God. It says in Mark, in Mark chapter 9, this, this parallel passage with this, the disciples ask, how couldn't we cast out this demonic spirit? And Jesus said, um, this kind comes out by prayer. Mark chapter 9, it's a parallel passage with Luke chapter 9. And the disciples have a problem. In Luke, it doesn't seem to show that. But in Mark, Mark shows the problem the disciples had in casting out a demon spirit. And uh, Jesus said, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Prayer. We need to talk to God. You know, in the church, we say, well, we're not seeing many saved. And, and you know, we don't, we're not seeing Jesus. And we're, not, and, this, and we're not seeing many miracles. Well, it's as we talk to God. So Jesus said, this kind. There's... There, there's Levels of opposition. 
There's levels of breakthrough. There's a level in God that, is it, that we, we find. You know, sometimes we operate at a level of Christianity that is not the level that, that Jesus operated in. He operated in the supernatural. And we get used to certain levels. And so he said, this kind or this level or this type comes up by prayer. But what does prayer do? Prayer, we talk to God. We communicate. We speak and he speaks to us and we know and he knows us. Call a conference and we'll pack it out. Call a prayer gathering, it's hard work. It's hard work. But if we understand that prayer is the place when we talk, we know the power of the touch, it'll turn the church upside down. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And Jesus said to them, so the key is to know the presence of God, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, to talk, to pray. It's as simple as that. And thirdly and finally is to take what we experience to the world around us, to take the glory from where it is to where it isn't. And so Jesus said, they came down from the mountain amongst where the people were. You know, when we gather together like this, it's so that we can do what? So that we can live for God. We can be empowered, encourage one another, worship God and love him, and be released in the world. Released in the world. Released in the world in which we live. So we're not a club we're not to be contained. One of the things that I have at the moment is about not being contained by the building, not being contained by what people say of the day, not being contained by what the media say about the church being irrelevant, but being released and loosed. And the only way we're going to know that is if we know the touch of God in your life, if you speak to God and you pray and you know he speaks to you. And then the, the final bit is, is we take that to wherever we go. It doesn't mean to say we have to do lots of stuff. You don't have to do anything. You just have to be who you are and to go. This is the mountain. From here, we go to the world around us. And it's at that point that when we connect with people, if we know the touch of God, we talk to him, then you find that Jesus does amazing things. Pray together. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, three years after becoming a Christian, it did make a huge change to my life. I didn't become a super Christian all of a sudden. I didn't start to rule the world, but it changed the course of events of my life where I was destined at that time, I thought, to become an electronic engineer. And I was doing my HNC in in electronic engineering. That I just felt that I just wanted to tell the world about the experience and the knowledge that I had of God in the freedom and the power that he was releasing in my life. I went off to Bible college then this history, met my wife there, um, went, I'm sorry, here I am today, serving God in this way. We need the touch of God in our lives. Heavenly Father, see our hearts and you see us tonight. And, you know, we don't want to be one thing in this building and, and sing great songs and then I go home and I'm something different. Or I'm at work and I'm something different again. What we see here is what we want to be wherever we go. And that doesn't mean to say we're pushing Christianity at people, but we just want to, we want the mountain, we want to know your hand upon our lives, Lord. We really do. More than ever in this day. We don't want the church to be muffled. We don't want the church to be muzzled. We don't want the church you, people to, to be pushed and hemmed in. We want to be free and loosed. Loosed. And I just pray tonight, Father God, that your hand would be upon every single person here right now. I pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Spirit, the release of the Holy Spirit here right now. 
And Lord, see our hearts as we come before you. We open them in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just say, wherever we go, we just want to be carriers of your presence. Carrier, we want to carry hope, carry forgiveness, carry peace, carry love, carry your empathy, your care, your goodness, your mercy. Wherever we go. That doesn't mean to say we're going to be perfect, but make that difference. Just as the disciples came down from the mountaintop to the valley and a young boy was set free, we just want to take your presence from where it is to take it to where it's not. And I pray tonight, Father, in this building, there are some amazing people who are going to be released to carry your presence into places that I could never go. School, college, work, street, neighborhood, town center, young people, older people, families, you, you name it. Lord, tonight there are people here that can be carry your presence from where it is to where it's not. I just, I'm amazed. Young and old. I pray tonight, Lord, where some of us have got to go back to homes, maybe where families don't know, maybe our household's not a completely Christian household. I pray that something of your presence on us tonight would make a difference in our homes. I really do. Marriages, Lord, where some of us have husbands or wives who are not Christians. We just, I just pray that when we go home, just carrying your presence will make a difference. I pray as a church, if we were to not be taken away tomorrow, we would want it to be that we've made a difference in our area. We want to be carriers of your presence, Lord. At college, I, want to be some, I just want to be a carrier of your presence, Lord. Wherever, you take, wherever I go, whoever I'm with, my colleagues, just taking your presence wherever we go. So for that, Lord, we need your hand upon our lives like never before. And so we open our hearts to you, Jesus. In your amazing name we pray. Touch us afresh, we ask. Amen. Just going to ask our worship team just to come back just for a moment. We're going to conclude as we sing just uh, for a moment going to ask you just to stand with me just for a moment should we just stand together we're just going to sing with this we're concluding you know we're not going to prolong things for the sake of prolonging things we give you the option we say to parents you're very welcome if you need to go and pick up your children you're welcome to do so whenever you feel you need to we don't want you to feel that you have to rush away tonight across the road is our infusion coffee house it's our coffee house it's linked to our church if you're here for the first time we'd love you to come across you get a free coffee if you're here for the first time We'd love you to do that. It's an opportunity to mix with one another. We don't want you to feel that you've got to rush away. But you are free to go whenever you like. But we're just going to, just, we're just going to reach out to God together. And, you know, we need the touch of God upon our lives so that we can live, love and live for him and take his presence from where it is to where it's not. I don't know where you've got to go tomorrow, but I pray for you. I don't know what you've got to face when you go home or when you go to work on Monday morning, or school or college, but I pray for you. I don't say that glibly. I pray honestly that God will go with you, and that you will carry something in your life that will encourage you and rub off on others. I really do. I really pray that. So we're just going to just lay hold of God just for a moment or two as we just sing together.